0: Staples, as he's away this week. Joining me are Rich Allen. Hi, Rich. Good evening. Uh, Peter Rutzler. Hi, Peter. Hello. And our special guest, Julien Laurence. Hello, Julien. Hi, guys. Fantastic stuff. We'll be talking all things Liga over the next hour or so, but we'll start with this weekend's news. Montpellier continued their outstanding run against top teams on Friday night, steering off saint Etienne at the Stade Grafford uh, with a 1-0 win, thanks to a first-half strike from Isaac and Benzer. On Saturday, Monaco broke out their recent funk with a 2-0 win over high-flying Caen, with recent signing Kater Balde netting his first goal for Les Monégasques. In the multiplex, Amiens pulled off the shock of the weekend as they beat Bordeaux 1-0 at the Stade Auchan in La Havre, with Guillaume Gosso grabbing the only goal of the game, while Nantes rose to incredible third place with a 2-1 victory over Gangon, as Claudio Ranieri's men claimed their sixth win in the last eight games. They are in fantastic form. Uh, Toulouse notched their second win in a row, thank goodness, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to as ACD scored the winning goal uh, to beat Angers Dijon bounced back from last weekend's late defeat by dumping more misery on Metz, who in fact sacked uh, Philip Hinchberger this weekend as a result, bottom of the table walking away from Metz with a 2-1 result Rennes barely escaped, pa- scraped past Leo in the clash of the calamities with Benjamin Burgo briefly lifting the malaise over Christian Gorkov uh, after a late sending off on Marcelo Bielsa's side, which leaves them in the relegation zone. On Sunday, Nice slipped to a 2-1 defeat to Strasbourg, despite the away side being reduced to 10 men for the majority of the second half. This result leaves Lucien Far's men 10 points, uh, on 10 points, but only a single point above the relegation playoff. Lyon continued to, their, to ride their current wave as they swept past 12 5-0. They were fantastic in the second half, especially. Even Memphis Depay had, Mr. Pye had a good game. Uh, who had seen me being a doghouse in recent weeks but he grabbed a hat-trick in a strong display from OL. and of course on sunday night we were treated to a truly memorable le classique marseille took uh took a lot from psg but ended up with a 2-2 draw neymar controversially sent off uh, towards the end Edison cavani with uh the, the, the equalizing free kick and injury time so chaps um before we get to the uh to the to the to our talking points Just a quick reminder to check out Get Get Football News France and follow us on Twitter Twitter at GFFN. So uh, let's start with that game at the Velodrome uh, last night, chaps. It was a fantastic game. After a sort of somewhat uh, checkered history for La Classique in in recent times, Marseille hadn't won a game in La Classique for what, 14 matches? So uh, Julianne, we'll start with you. Uh, Many didn't think that Marseille would amount to much of a challenge to Paris Saint-Germain, but in the end, The champions were lucky to get out of this one with their unbeaten record intact, were they not?
1: Yeah, you're right. I was a bit surprised, to be fair, by the um the, the sort of like all negativity. And I, you know, I'm talking as a as a huge PSG fan, obviously. Uh I was I was really surprised by the negativity from, from PSG players themselves, saying that it was a game like like any other, uh, that Daniel didn't know anyone in the Marseille team, or all that chat, plus plus all the um, the pundits on all the French talk shows saying that Marseille had no chance, Marseille couldn't do anything. They were going to get spanked, they were going to get this, they were going to get that. And I was thinking like, you know, anything is possible in football. And this PSG team hadn't played well for a long time, despite winning, you know, even against Anderlecht. It was the most unconvincing 4-0 win in the history of European football. So, was, I was, really was. I was, yeah, and I was far more sceptical than, than most people were. And I, it was hard to, to believe. I still thought PSG would win, but I thought it would be difficult and far tighter than everybody was... <laughs> was thinking uh, it would be. Do you think that PSG
0: have sort of two two modes? They they sort of play one way in the Champions League, they're getting very good results in the Champions League. As you mentioned, it wasn't the most convincing of 4 wins, but they're still playing really much they're playing much better in that competition. And then playing league in in the last few weeks they've been although they've got decent results, that Neil and Montpellier wasn't great, they were lucky to beat Diesel in, in this game here. Are they have they got two different settings and perhaps they need to sort of merge the two and, and play like PSG, at one unified sort of philosophy, if you like?
1: Um, no, I think they're complacent. Uh, hmm. They're very, very complacent. I think they're complacent in, in every single game. I think that's, um, that's that's the issue for me. The The, the arrogance um, I, I can deal with because I think Par- Parisians, by definition, are all very arrogant me included <laughs> but I can deal with that if, if then you deliver I've got no problem with Ibrahimovic being being arrogant and then you know to a certain extent delivering on the pitch no problem with that my issue is if you're one arrogant and two complacent because the two don't go well together and I think they were complacent against Montpellier, going away, okay, the pitch was not good, Neymar wasn't there, but they were clearly not up for it, probably because they thought they, they were easy. They were complacent at Dijon, they were complacent at Handelekt, and they were complacent again in Marseille. And, and there's a point where, you know, even against Lyon, by the way, I thought they were complacent. And they, there would be oh. a point where, you know, they won't win anymore, or they won't even draw, they go, they're gonna get beaten, and that's all they would deserve when they're that complacent, because they don't play well, their attitude is not right. They don't play as a team. Unai Emery, I'm not really sure exactly what he's doing. So that that's my issue more than the two more thing, Which you know maybe okay in bigger games sort of, they sort they go up a gear in the level and, and all of that. But I still think the main issue for this team is their complacency.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting point. And you mentioned Unai Emery there. I'll, I'll move on to you, Peter, on this point. Um how much of an issue is unai you know emery's the sort of lack of man management it feels like that the team are sort of dominating him a little bit at the moment and his influence is is pretty weak
2: yeah no it is and i think we've talked about this before on the pod looking at how emery's going to manage so many different egos and fundamentally with bringing in uh, neymar and and then uh, kilian mbappe they they've brought in players who they've made bigger than not only emery but also the club to the, as well, and dealing with an ego like that, Neymar of course is his own pedigree for, um, for his own ostentatious whatever uh, behaviour, his, his, uh, his individualism, but to have that kind of uh, reputation coming into the team, that, that uh, price tag as well, it's, it's, it's a very difficult job for Emery to win at any stage, and it does seem like Especially the way they played, they, where they played yesterday, and they have been playing, as Julian was saying, it does seem like that they are playing like individuals, and that's one of the main criticism that was made about the result last night was that Marseille, you know, played as a team, and, and PSG didn't. For Emery, it's it's, it's such a difficult task to, to, to deal with to deal with those egos, and can he manage it? I don't know. The, the only way he can be seen as a success is, you know, if he, he goes all the way in the Champions League. And I think the only example you can really think of uh, of someone dealing uh, in similar circumstances would be, say, Zidane at Real Madrid. And one of the problems that, uh, Real Madrid had before he came in was having a manager who was able to, inf- whose reputation could push the side onwards. And they, they had Mourinho and, and Ancelotti, but in Zidane they had, they looked at a player who was equally as good. You know, he was an incredible player, and when you have that, it it makes it easier, I would say, to manage those. Those players who see themselves as being at the pinnacle, as being the best, and of course Neymar wants to win the Ballon d'Or. He already sees himself on that level. It was, it was admittedly part of the reason for his move to to push himself to that level. Um, and Emery doesn't have that reputation, so it's a very difficult task. And not only that, he's got all the squad selection issues, especially on the uh, going forward. Um, it's yeah, it's going to be a real test of his character, his ability, and his man management, and so far, it doesn't seem like he's got a hand on it
3: yet. I would say. Uh, I think the, the, the big gripe I had, one of, one of the big gripes I had, was it, it seemed to me that a lot of the PSG players just didn't didn't seem particularly interested mm. last night. I think there was those great spells during that game where it just didn't look like, you know, this is this is supposed to be their one of their biggest domestic games anyway, games of the season and it did, didn't seem like that the PSG players were particularly bothered by that. And uh, I sort of sent out a, a tweet after the game to say, I, I find it quite almost sad that, it, you know, is this the case? And I had a couple of PSG fans come back and say, well, you know, we've got bigger fish to fry now and Marseille, you know, used to be a big game, but it's no longer. And I, that's a question I suppose to usually earn is, as a PSG fan, is, is, that, is that something that you would agree with? Or do you still see Marseille as this massive, massive clash?
1: No, oh, no, I I still think it as as a massive clash, you know. Maybe, maybe some of the PhD fan have got a bit posher and uh, they only won the caviar of the Champions League, which I would understand, but I don't think you should forget, you know, where you're coming from, and 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 things like that. You know, I, I was watching the games with my two boys last night, and my my I've got a baby daughter. that was born not long ago. And we didn't want her to see her first classic and PSG losing, that was not. So when Cavani scored, we went mad and the house went mad and everything. And when you see the video of the PSG Ultras, who obviously were not allowed to travel to Marseille, but clearly a couple of hundreds of them were in that bar somewhere in Paris. And the the way they exploded when Cavani scored is, it shows you that for most of PSG fans, it's still a huge clash. So it's a shame, like you said, Rich, that, you know, PSG players couldn't, you know, Clearly, clearly, feels differently, or at least felt differently. Uh, and I, I, it goes beyond me, what Kylian Mbappe said after the Anderlec game, when him, of all people, who is a Paris-born and bred kid, who, it was his first classic ever, and you would think, come on, the guy surely must be excited to play his first classic. I mean, when he was growing up, classic where, you know, and, and well, i still up, but even more, maybe, I, when he was growing up, were like, the game, you know, it was... Bigger than any, than anything else, and I can play one, and he comes up with all that BS of oh no, it's a game like any other, it's this, it's nothing special. What are you talking about? Where is this coming from? And and I think it was obvious to see. And again, I, I'm not you know I don't pretend to know everything, but I thought shit, they're not they're not going to approach this game in the right way because on the other hand, you knew that one it would wind up everybody in Marseille, and rightly so. Two. Rudy Garcia would use that to say to his players, "Look, you know they they're taking you lightly. They like clearly underestimating you. And you know, of course, he was going to use that as a tool if if needed to get his players like you know proper up for it because clearly the PSG players were not up for it. And I think very early on you saw it in that game that you know one team were ready, the other wasn't. One team like like um, I think Peter said." Well, like I playing as a team and not the other. And it was so obvious. And I think, like you said, Rich, I think it's really sad. Do we think I that... Think, think
3: you have, oh, sorry, go on, Peter.
0: No, it's just I was just going to say, do we think that the, the that sort of arrogance that you mentioned is, is, is in danger of becoming toxic? It was really interesting what, what McQueen has said about um, Neymar being a mentor for Mbappe, which seems like, giving Mbappe such a sort of fresh, young kid, and he's always had such a great attitude, for Neymar, who's got this kind of playboy image, whether that's true or not, is, is open to debate. But... Is that, is, is that sort of influence in danger of becoming toxic and is it going to sort of, can it really
3: affect their season in the long term? I think it could. Yeah, I, mm. think, I think it absolutely could. I think what Julian picked up on there was about Rudy Garcia using that kind of, I think you'll find certainly more and more teams do it, Rudy Garcia certainly did that last night. That was by far and away one of the best Marseille performances I've seen for, well certainly this season. Uh, and probably for the last couple of seasons, they really, really looked like a unit. They really believed in themselves. Um, certainly, that defence—I've been highly, highly critical of that defence. Now, but uh, Rami, Rolando, Sakai, uh, Amavi—they, they look, they look, they look good. I mean, they're not—they're not world-class defenders, but they work together. That—that that attacking threat that PSG have posed so many teams this season. So. What what I think, PSG will find is if that arrogance and complacence becomes more widespread and more frequent, and certainly more visible, you're going to get opponents who are going to more you know be able to use that to to their advantage.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned Marseille. In fact, Peter, I'd like to ask you about Marseille because they're kind of a forgotten story in this in this game to some extent. Because obviously, all the talk is about Neymar sending off, and and obviously the, the fact that PSG. You know, nearly blew it. But is this a bit of a watershed moment for Marseille? Because the champions project's been marked by by from all, all sides, including us on the previous show on on a number of occasions. But is this is this a turning point for them?
2: Yeah, I think I think Garcia will want to turn it into a, a turning point, and there's no reason why it can't be. I mean, as as you guys were saying, as Rich was saying, we saw another side to Marseille and their squad, and they they, they were galvanised by those comments that that, P, that PSG players were making. Um, and they put everything on the on the pitch. I thought I was really impressed with Lightrich Rich defensively. I thought Amavi was excellent, and I think that that would be a real boost. Um, we were talking before we went on air about um, what this means for Evera long term, but I thought he was outstanding at left back. Um, Tovan was excellent defensively going forward. He didn't have so much uh, of an opportunity, but then when he got his chance, he took it. Um, I think in terms of going forward as a watershed, they've they've, they've got a take that atmosphere and, and the, the, within the squad and, and use that in games coming forward because you're not always going to have the the same momentum coming into a game like PSG you're not always going to have that sort of build-up um, but there's no reason why it can't be and it has been such a change from what we've seen I mean the week last week against Strasbourg defensively Marseille were all over the place and Adil Rami had an absolute shocker he was appalling I mean I mean a couple of the goals were deflected and you can't really fully blame him for them but what we saw on Sunday um, was a different side to him. The, the, the experienced French international that um, had done so well at, at Valencia in, uh, in in the past. So I think he's one example of a player who can take confidence from 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 Le Classique. And obviously it was a disappointing result. Um, but going forward, it, it is a boost. And we saw the sides to players. Like Luis Gustavo looked like someone I hadn't seen before. I he mean, was brilliant, yeah. was, this was a performance that will do his confidence in the world good, but also for Garcia, it's such a, it's such a bonus to know that they're, they're going to get behind him and they're willing to rally for him.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, this, the, the sort of trajectory Marseille are on this season. Julian, I'd really love to get your thoughts on how you appraise Garcia's tenure at Marseille. Because they kind of looked very disjointed recently and it, they still, could, to me at least, feel like a collection of individuals and they haven't really morphed into a, a team as yet. Is Garcia's reign, in its current guise, is it sustainable?
1: Um, um, for me, the jury is still out. I still think that he, he, he still has a lot to prove. I mean, if, 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 even if I try to stay objective, for me last night was, was PhD making the game really easy for Marseille. I didn't see anything from this Marseille team that made me think, all right, okay, wow, they were so good. And, you know, they can go on a proper run now. They can easily finish second. You know, they're better than Monaco. They're better than Lyon. They're better... I don't think so. I think the way PSG played, obviously played in Marseille's hands because they were there to defend. And they had a game in plan which was very defensive. They got lucky on the Luis Gustavo goal. They got lucky on the Tovan goal. They should have had a penalty against them. They faced a PSG team, like we said, where it was literally seven defenders and three attackers in the MCN, where Verratti, maybe a bit less rabbi, but were literally giving the ball to Neymar and Mbappe and saying to them, well, do what you can because that's how PSG have been playing the last few games by having that incredible uh, fracture between the the, the three up front and the rest of the team. So I thought PSG made it really easy for Marseille last night. And for that reason, I find it difficult to analyse this draw with a lot of positive for Marseille. Okay, Luis Gustavo looked good, but did he look good because he only had to defend like the whole of his back four and Anguissa as well against the NTN. Yeah. Because in that case, there were six against three the whole time because Rabiot rarely, or at least on the goal, he went a bit further, but Rabiot and Verratti hardly joined up front. The fullbacks never went forward either, which meant, or very rarely, which meant that Tovan and compost, we can say, oh, yeah, defensively, they were good. I don't think that actually to do that much defensively because Kurzawa and Meunier were quite shy going forward. So I, find I struggle a bit to, to – when I saw Lyon at the Paris-de-Prince, I thought, okay, there are flaws in this Lyon team, but if Genesio, who I don't like at all and I still think he's a bit of a fraud, if he tweaks a few things, they might actually become a very good, balanced and solid team, at least going forward. And you know, it looks like they're actually finding the right formula, even with Fakir and without Fakir right now. But with Marseille last night, I'm thinking more, well, I think PSG gifted them that draw or probably even could have gifted them a win by being so complacent, so negative in many ways and so bad in many ways that actually they may look Marseille maybe being better than what they actually are. So, I'm looking forward to Lille next weekend. I don't think that's an easy game at all, away from home from Marseille against Bielsa and against a team that have to win big time. And I'm and I'm waiting a bit more to see if, like you said, Garcia can and the team can reproduce this kind of of thing. But they won't be able to because in the next game they can't be just so defensive, and the game after either. Where was Dimitri Payet last night?
0: Yeah, he was absolutely. Where
1: where has he been all season? So again, and that's not my PSG cap on. It's just like trying to be objective by saying that I saw a Marseille team that was helped a lot by the bad game that PSG had, if you see what I mean, if, it, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think
3: the question
1: I think the, the question that you asked with
3: Marseille is, from that performance last night, can they now go and get a guaranteed six points from Lille and Khan? And I'm still not in a position to say, yes, they can. I agree, I agree. That probably gives you the insight into... You know, Garcia. It was it was a good, i think it was a good performance from Marseille. It was a lot more organised. I think when they conceded that equaliser, a Marseille recent times certainly this season would have absolutely crumbled. Julian's right. They were a, I think they were aided immensely by the way PSG played the game. But you know, Marseille were still organised. Their heads didn't drop. They still you know in 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 parts and and obviously got the but to 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 ascertain whether this project is now you know is this is this where we now start this new project for good well I I don't know because I couldn't say to you right now yes they're going to beat Lille yes they're going to beat Khan and if I was if I was in the position to, to say yes to both of those then going in the right direction but there's still I think plenty of work for um to do if, if this project really is to become champions quality.
0: Yeah,
3: it's just not, it's not good enough from their point of view.
0: I know Garcia has sort of been given the remit to improve this season, what they finished what fifth last year. Do we think, very quickly going around the table to finish this this Marseille chat off, do we think Marseille and their current guys with Garcia in charge and with the squad as it is, the team playing as it is, can improve on last season? Rich, I'll start with
3: you uh yes if they bring the right kind of players in in january but no if they if it's based purely on this current squad interesting peter
2: uh not if you look at their current um transfer investment i mean we've, we've talked about this about how, the kind of players they're bringing in they're bringing older players players who like like haven't impressed matroglionis was were totally absent yesterday um if you're building a project longer term, you want to be looking at players, potentially either with resale value or with some kind of stage development for potential. So uh, the current squad, no. Um, with Rich, yes, if they can invest, but I don't trust them to
1: invest correctly at the moment. Julian? I think they finished fourth, I think, that, which will be a slight improvement yeah. <laughs> compared to last year.
0: Interesting stuff. So just to finish off this chat on Le Classique, um, Neymar's red card, do we think, Justified or not? Peter, we we'll start with
2: you. Uh, it was harsh, yes. Both yellows, you could say, were harsh. But the, the problem, with, especially with the second one, is the moment he rises to to a campus, moment he moves to him, there's always the potential that you know he could overreact, and it's under the referee's nose, and it's. It, in the atmosphere and the climate, it's likely to get booked, and I think part of it is because of who he is. I mean, it's it's you know, send to send Neymar off in a classic is you know, it's not, without without being too going after the referee too much, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was harsh, but you know, he he knows he shouldn't react like that. He knows once you do that, you give the referee the opportunity to to send him off. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I can see why it was given.
3: Rich. Um, I, I agree. It was harsh, but considering it was only a couple of minutes after he picked up the first yellow, you know, you just take the foul. You, you're keen to push on. You need the equaliser. You don't square up to a, you know any player. And I think Neymar of all players should know that. Julian? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with the boys, I, I think he was as stupid as, as a compost reaction, who I would bind by the way for a game as well, for you know, <laughs> pretending that Neymar had butted him when, when there was contact but nowhere near his face. Uh, and you know what, I think Mbappe could even have been sent off as well after the penalty appeal he had, which was a penalty for the, the Amavi handball and the way he grabbed Rudy Buke's Buque, arm. I think if he's any, in any other club in France, apart from PSG, he might get a red card for that, but because he's at PSG, because he's Kylian Mbappe, I think he gets away with only a yellow, but you can't grab the arm of the referee like this. I mean, come on, it's just like, this is not what you do, you know, Cristiano took five, five games ban for yeah, like a little true. push, and, and Mbappe grabbed the arm, and okay, I, I can see the frustration because it was, it was an obvious penalty, and I still, I can't work it out how they didn't see the handball, but it was not given. Just, just move on. You can't, you can't just grab the referee like like, like Mbappe did.
0: Indeed, it was. I was surprised he wasn't more harshly punished too. Uh, Rich, you to, you've got a slightly more interest, slightly more sort of unusual <laughs> view on this penalty. Do you want to, do you want to tell us what that is? It's not going to go down well with Julia.
3: <laughs> <Well, laughs> that's why I asked. That's why I asked. <laughs> um, Almost, I can see why it would be given. Uh, and certainly, I think some replays and the stills that you see, yes, it looks very, very blatant. I think the only thing that I would say um, is I think in real time, MRV was just a little, maybe, maybe he was completely ruthless. Maybe he was. Maybe also he was just a little unlucky that and a really, really good tackle on Mbappe. Really good tackle. Um, he needed to get back to his feet immediately. His, his, you know, push it, pushing up and getting the leverage off the ground was the only way that he was going to do that. Devil's advocate here. Maybe that where his hand was was just an incredibly unfortunate timing that the ball was there as well. Maybe it's that. Maybe. But of course, <laughs> I think I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to get a lot of agreement. I think from from many people. But that's just that's just one take as to maybe wasn't given. Maybe of course the referee just completely missed it.
0: Sure. Okay. Brilliant stuff. Um, we'll move on to the games. The, the game earlier in the day at the start of the day. In fact, it was actually a really good game. A day of games. Sorry, over over course of league and all three were were interesting. Uh, and the early game was uh, Nice Strasbourg. And um, so after two sort of surprising seasons. Nice are seeing me on a bit of a downturn. Lucy and Far Side are appointed by the relegation playoff, lost the last four games in all competitions, and have lost six already in the league. Peter, is, uh, is the bubble bursting at the Allianz Riviera?
2: It's, it's been a poor start to the season. There's no doubt about that. Um, is the bubble bursting? Oh, maybe they were overachieving before. I mean, you could throw it that way. But I think they are missing Seri at his best. I think they're missing Cyprian as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I think against Strasbourg, what appeared to be was just a, a, a real dearth of creativity in the middle of the park. I think the way Farsman's setting up often with Balotelli with player up top, it gives Balotelli the option to drop deeper, to to exercise control of, of, of games, and they really did miss him. Um, uh, I think... With the midfield that they had, they, they didn't have the runners going beyond the, the way that Cyprian would do, the way that Seri does. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think they brought in um, Wesley Schneider to try and uh, aid them, give them another option in, uh, creatively. Um, and he hasn't featured so much. I think there was talk of him on the club being disappointed with uh, how he appeared uh, when he arrived at the club, his, his fitness. Um, so he's been building that up and when he came on at half-time, I thought he was, was alright. He, he put himself about, was, was creative, um, changed the game a little bit. Um, more concerningly, is, is defensively, they're, they're conceding goals as well and, and they, I mean, they're conceding to a Strasbourg team that aren't exactly um, best friends with the opposition net, let's call it that. <laughs> um, Don, Dante had an awful game, um, he showed his age. Uh, quite considerably, uh, I think compared to last year, they, they they they're missing fullbacks that were bombing on. I mean, Suke's a great fullback. Uh, I really do like him. Um, Jale at left back was was quite exposed. I mean, he at one point there was Goncalves for Goncalves, absolutely rinsed him. And Goncalves is not a winger. He's a he's a central midfielder. Um, you know, so there there has been some turnover and there has been some changes. Um, and I think once they do get the likes of Cyprian back, I think he's he'll be back relatively soon, not in the, the immediate future, but, um, but Seri as well. I thing was also with Seri is I don't think he's has been the same player since the transfer window closed, um, even before he, he's, he's announced in the last couple of games. But you know, I think that has affected him. Um, it could also be the setup 4 4 2 hasn't allowed him the same license to get forward in a two in the middle. Um, but he hasn't looked the same player as he did even at the start of the season in the in the Champions League qualifiers. Um, so that's another aspect to it. I I think there there is I think Far is is a good tactician and he can find a way around this uh, this this bad spell. Um, and we saw that against Monaco uh, with with how well they played. So I think it's a bad spell, and I do think they will will bounce back. But for now. I won't go as far as to say the bubble's burst necessarily. Yeah,
0: I definitely agree on on uh, missing when in Cyprian. He was absolutely brilliant. In sort of the last first two thirds of last season. But Julian, um, Peter mentioned Jallet. There, there's also obviously the addition of Wesley Schneider. Um, has their their sort of recruitment policy not not really come off this season? Has it has it really affected their performances? And is there anything they can do to change that?
1: Well, you can buy better players in January, maybe or next summer. It's always the problem with the business model that Mies and Monaco have. When when you know when you when you are happy to let your best player go, when when that's your policy to let your best player go, it's always harder to replace them. You know you can't replace Dalbert and Ricardo Pereira so easily. So Suke, okay, he's had some good games. I'm still not completely convinced that he's at the level that Ricardo was on. Um, I left by they clearly couldn't couldn't replace Dalbert, couldn't find another one, another left back that they wanted. Uh, I think they even tried to get Amavi back uh, to the club. So now Jale, who's right-footed, who's already not very good at right back, has to go at left back. And, and when he's not there, it's Malongsa who's everything as a defender but a left back, who has to play as left back, and he's been a disaster every time he's played there. Um, so I think they've had issue with their recruitment uh, on many levels. Uh, but again, I don't think it's easy to replace all those players, to replace Eseric, to replace Belanda. Um, and you see with someone like Samaxima, for example, who could be brilliant one day and absolutely atrocious the next day. Uh, and, and, and with, I don't know, I mean, the youngsters, they ball like Tamez and Makengo and Collie and, and Fab doesn't think they're ready just yet for this kind of level. Okay, but then you know, then buy other people as well because if you buy those players, and you don't think they're ready after two and a half months, maybe you know soon three and a half, even if you count the preseason, then there's a problem somewhere because you're still low in numbers because you you judge those players not ready. So I think overall it was a difficult summer, but it was always going to be a difficult summer, and they got lucky to keep Serie, although. Like uh, one of the boys said, it's not the same series as before. And, and of course, it was never going to be the same series as before. And if on top of that, you don't have Balotelli for a game like the one on Sunday against Strasbourg, who has been the best player this season, when player is struggling like he is at the moment, it's a lot of issues put one after the other that makes it really hard even to beat a team like Strasbourg.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a relatively small squad as well, looking at it, especially when you get those one or two injuries, it really just affects effect their first eleven. Um Rich, moving on to you very, very quickly, um, on, on this on this Nice point. Given that Nice fans have come to expect a certain level of, of of performance over the last couple of years, you know, with Favre and with Claude Poua as well, is 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 time running out for, for Lucien Favre? Is this is this a similar situation to happen at Munching Gladbach when it, it really fell off a cliff for him and there was no rescuing it? Is 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 he on
3: his way out? Um I, I don't think so. I think he's got time you know he obviously did such a terrific um, terrific job last season. Um, I think it's only natural that there is going to be this sort of blip in form. Um, they've got some good players who are just not playing very well at the minute. you know we know that Dante is a good defender. We saw that last season we've seen that when he was in Germany. Um, he's just not at his best at the minute. that form will return. They got Cyprian I think Cyprian's due back in November. I think he tweeted something out about November and a few smiley faces. So I can only presume that that's what that means. So his his return, albeit it's going to be a very phased return due to the nature of his injury. Boost, you know, he's such a fantastic player. Um, it's it's a, it's a peculiar, it is a peculiar project because they they want to bring in a lot of these young players, but they also they want to bring in these high profile name players, and I just question. I question those sometimes. You know, Balotelli has paid off in parts, not paid off in other parts. I don't think Schneider's going to be a particularly particularly good signing. Um, although I'll await to be proven very, very wrong on that. But you know, they've they've got some really good youngsters. Um, I think the club um, and the board just have to trust Favre. That you know he knows what he's doing. You know he's he seems to be on board with this project. Let him let him prove that he can get this team out of the um, the poor run of form it is because i think you know once players have come back from injury once players have rediscovered form and once there's been a few additions in the january transfer window you know this this very well would be you know, very similar to the nice that we saw last season the
1: the Indeed. problem they have sorry to jump in the problem they You're have as sure. well is europe and and once again you know you can you is great playing in europe you know it's, well the europa league not as great as the champions league but it's it's cool, you know, it's great, you've got all those teams that, you know, they're quite exotic, you go Vita Sanem, you go to Belgium, Lazio is, is a great game, it's a great double fixture, but it's killing them, it is absolutely killing them, one, because they don't have the depth of squad, like we said, two, because most of them, of those players, are not ready to play in Europe, even even at that kind of level, I mean, come on, Vita Sanem and... And uh, and Zülter are not, you know, it's not exceptional. But they still, you know, it still takes some adaptation. There's the traveling. There's the whole novelty of the whole thing. And I think that's killing them. The best thing that could happen to them is to be knocked out quickly like they did last year. Like, you know, exactly what happened last year. Uh, the problem is they're not gonna, going to because they will finish second behind Lazio. So they're going to qualify. It's another... <laughs> Another round, which with a bit of luck, they're going to get an easy draw, which means they're going to qualify for the, from the last 32 to the last 16. With a bit of luck, maybe they're going to get another good draw. And then it's, you know, it's an extra game. And I think Thierry Loret was saying yesterday after the game, he said like it's unfair on them. They have three games in eight days. You know, and, and I think it's, you know, Monaco are ready, Lyon are ready, PSG are ready for this. Kind of, even Marseille, in many ways, are ready for this kind of like playing every three days kind of thing. But I don't think Nice are ready. And and I think that's that's costing them a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of uh, worries, a lot of problems, and you know, and it's not good.
0: Yeah, it really stands out with league and size. It's with, especially with Sionetian and Bordeaux over the last couple of seasons. They haven't been able to handle the two game a week situation, especially with Bordeaux and and in Nice's case, with young squads that 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 sort of rotation of games, that quick, quick pace, really takes a lot of getting used to and they don't have that experience and it's they're not the first league inside to to full pull foul of that. Um mm-hmm. but a great win nonetheless for, for Strasbourg, despite Nice's European commitments. Do we think that this team um despite a, a shaky start, they've only got nine points, but this was definitely a marquee win from their point of view, can they can they stay up, Peter?
2: Yes. Um, I mean, it's, the last few results have been good for them. They're now three unbeaten. They were really unlucky against Marseille not to get three points uh, in a game of, full of errors. Um, they've been, um, the injury to Idris Sadi has been a little bit of a blessing in disguise, I think, for them. Um, it's allowed them to put Terrier up front, who's been so good. Um, I'm sure Bielsa at Lille would love to have him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, so many players like
0: that, Zeca and a few others too, yeah, they, right.
2: City too, yeah. A number of them, um, and DaCosta's and scoring goals, and that was the issue before, was they're not finding the net, and DaCosta's found his feet. Um, they, they look very solid, I mean they were very creative going forward on the break, uh, Laurie had them set up very well, um, it's, the question is can they keep it up? Um, They've got Saint-Étienne in the cup, uh, Angers at home. They'll want to win that, and then Twire away. So and then, Ran at home, which Rich will say is a, definitely a winnable game. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think defensively they they still have a lot of questions. Um, Mongan hasn't featured for a while, and he was just a oh, he was a comedy of errors to say the least. And but then again, who the Kones looked better? They brought him in towards the end of the transfer window. Him and Salmier together, they don't fill you with confidence. Um, and then, of course, Seca giving away the penalty shows a little bit of inexperience there, too. So I think that there are still a number of issues with Strasbourg. But I think when they're at home, that's where the, the best opportunities to pick up points. Because of that atmosphere, they do seem to find another level when they play at Lemay now. So, yeah, I, well they can, but it, it's, it'll be tight. Um, and they'll, they'll definitely take a boost from getting four points from Marseille and Nice. And you can't complain about, complain about that.
0: Absolutely, it's great to have them back in league, and they're, they're such a such an interesting team, and with such a good fan base, it's they're a great addition to the league. Just to round off this, this Strasbourg and East Chatel, chaps, uh, a quick sentence on where do we think Strasbourg will finish, Julian? I'll start with you.
1: I'm um, sorry, boys. I love their fans. I love the stadium. I think it's a great football town. But they've conceded eighteen goals already. I think. I think defensively, they're just not good enough to stay up. So. The only the only hope I have for them is that they finish eighteen, they get into the playoff against uh, you know the, the team that are gonna finish third in, in League 2 and stay up, but I'm not as optimistic as you on 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 their chance of staying up, sorry.
3: Rich? Uh, I'm gonna be Everson i gonna be Everson slightly more optimistic and go seventeenth because I think I could make a case that there will be three teams that could finish below them. Interesting stuff. Peter
2: Uh I really do want them to stay up, <laughs> but <laughs> no, like Julian was saying, sobering reality is that their best hope probably is the playoff, um, because defensively they are so weak, um, they have added some goals, but but yeah, if they want to take confidence and maybe they'll, they'll push on, but they are one of the teams that haven't captured the eye in the way that, say, Twa have, or um, so yeah. yeah, no, I don't think they will. Yeah,
0: it's, i say it's unfortunate. I think it's going to be a really tight battle at the bottom. I think Mets will get relegated, but above them, there are four or five teams who, who could arguably finish in that 19th and 18th spot. So I'd hope that Strasbourg got one of them, but um, their lack of goals is a, is a real worry. I know De Costa got two yesterday, but the, they do really struggle in forward areas. So moving on to the final game of yesterday, and our final talking point for today's pod is the, uh, the, the Lyon-Trois game, a very comfortable 5-0 win for, for Lyon in the end. Memphis Depay, who's sort of been in and out recently, his form has been—he's—he's he's been involved with a number of goals, but his form has been quiet, probably to say to say the best. Um, so, Rich, i, I, I want to get your opinion on 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 Depay. Is this a sign that you know he's he's returning to the to sort of capturing that potential or establishing that potential
3: that perhaps he once showed, or is this just a bit of a flash in the pan? Uh, I fear it's probably going to be more of the latter. I do think with, with Depay, there's an element that he's a bit of a luxury player. Mm. Because when he wants to play, yeah, you know what? He can be really, really good, as we saw, um, uh, saw against Twa. Um, but there's too many times where he just doesn't seem to want to play. And when he's in that kind of mood, he's a bit of a nightmare, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, he'll try too much. He'll sulk, he'll pout, he'll... Uh, you know, be be uh, you know, like a petulant kid. Um, so I, it was. Look, it was a great performance. Singularly, it was a great performance. It was a brilliant hat trick. Um, you know, even the penalty, cool as you like, Penenka. I always think with some players that take Penenka, it gives you an insight into the kind of attitude that they have. Yeah. Um, there are one or two exceptions to that rule, but it was very much a a, a de kind of finish to that penalty. But for me, we now need to see this consistently. Um, you know, he's he's too much a case of dispersed with two, three, four, where he's a bit anonymous, a bit of a liability at times, and incredibly frustrating. So I think if we are to talk about him really turning that corner, you know, regaining that um, that form that we saw with with the sort of raw potential when he was in Holland, then we need to see this now. Um, you know more consistent you know, 23 years old that has that has to be his target and that has to be what Leon want to need out of him
0: yeah it would be great to see him to see him back to the best that he showed at, at PSV and perhaps at the World Cup for, for Holland but it does feel like that's still a long way away but it's you know promising signs he could be great for for Leon as part of that front four and Julian I'd really like to get some thoughts on, on your thoughts on that on that front four and how you think they're gelling. It was quite a big turnover of players in the summer. Talisa and Lacazette obviously leaving. Do you think that the current crop of forwards is is good enough to sort of drag them towards the Champions League place? Are they gelling correctly? Is, is, is this the right mix of players? So I think we talked about Depay being a little bit, not having perhaps the best attitude, but you may even see that from Mariano Diaz a little bit as well. Is, are, they, are they going in the right direction with this front four?
1: Um, I think it's interesting. It's, it's really fascinating. I think Fekir has reached you know, a level that he never reached before, which is remarkable considering the injury, you know, he had, and the the, the context when he came back, and and the departure of of Tolisso and like I said, and Gonalon and all the others. So, I think well done to him. For the rest, I'm not convinced by Mariano you know, Diaz. I have to say, I think he's uh, <laughs> he's scoring goals. I give him that. Uh, he was good against Monaco. I give him that as well. Although in a, again in his own very special way uh I'm not convinced so much either by Batran trawe who, who I think has a lot of potential but he's still playing like a like a street player who you know he does his own thing on his own and and really puts his head up and and it's a nice goal against everton and there's a few good tricks and there's a few good skills but i'm not I'm not really sure collectively it brings that much to the team um and for the pie um the, the thing that will save the pie, in my opinion, is that Oussein who is a fantastic talent, is better for me in midfield than on the left-hand side where you restrict him to being, you know, 20 yards between 20 meters between the touchline and the, the inside of the pitch, where he basically has to wait for Ferran Mendy or Marsal to take the overlap and where Awa is going to be amazing in midfield, where he's got the game ahead of him, in front of him, and he's so um, perfect technically in everything he does that that's where he has to play. He has to play more centrally for me. And that will save the pie because that means that Awa then is not going to be on the left-hand side, and when that's where the pie can play. That's my theory. Um, Genesio... uh, might have another one, I don't know, but that's why I think set the pie. So, to answer the question, I'm not really sure exactly what the question was, my friend, but <laughs> I think they've got a lot going forwards. If Genesio finds the right way and if they're all up for it and if they all learn to play with each other and Mariano become becomes a bit more collective and you know can do more work with his back-to-goal, in his linker play uh in the runs he makes if Fauré can play a bit more with the rest of the team if fekir keeps this level if the pie is a bit less selfish i know that's a lot of if but i think they they have something there for sure because i think even maolida looks great uh Jebel's for sure when he when he played look great as well so they have a lot there is defensively the problem mostly but offensively if they find the right way to play all with each other i think they have something special going on that's a really
0: interesting point you make about our in the if he if he was Play midfield, that would save to pie. Does that perhaps upset the balance in, in that midfield? If they did move to say a two with him and uh, perhaps Toussaint in there, and perhaps you obviously need to play Fakir and you play a front three, does that leave Toussaint a little bit isolated perhaps because Awa is quite an attacking player?
1: But then you need a Dombele. I don't think you can bench and Dombele either, which means that then, and that's the problem, you have to to, to play Fakir wide, but Fakir can't play wide. So if you play the three midfield with Toussaint and Dombele and Awa, which for me, is arguably the best midfield they have, and is the one they had yesterday at uh, uh, Trois, which is perfect because he gives them more balance. Because I think he, he gives them the creativity of Awa, the power and the powerful runs of Ndombele, and the intelligence of Tuzar, who is just sweeping everything behind those two. That's perfect. But then the issue is where do you play Fakir? So whether he plays in that formation, and, and for one game, maybe Fakir can play wide and then comes in you know, more centrally regularly in that game, let's say against the Monaco, against the PSG, against the Marseille, I don't know, away from home especially, maybe. Or you play 4-2-3-1 with Fekir in that number 10 position, that where he's been sensational this season. It's Genesio to find a way, but I still think that that midfield three would bring them the balance that they need in the big, big games to get a result.
0: Indeed. It's, uh, it's definitely an interesting sort of jigsaw puzzle genesio has got. Got in front of him. So we'll we'll finish with a, a quick quick word on on toi, uh, uh Peter. Do you think this is a revert to sort of them reverting to their their form of two seasons ago, or uh, are they more competitive than that?
2: It felt a bit like that in the second half. Um, <laughs> but you know, I've I've been really impressed with what I've seen of Troy this season. Um, they've they've gone after teams. They've scored goals. Um, they've done a lot better than than Amiens or Strasbourg. So. Um, I, I I don't think it'll be a re- they, one result will, will throw them back two years to to hell and um, but they 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 yeah no I think longer t- longer term that they're, they're going to be okay but, um, they've done they they have enough about them I've been very impressed with Samasser in golf, I think he's a real asset for them um, but um, yeah no I think they'll be fine I I, I think this is more of a a, a blip than um something more uh severe that warrants uh intense uh observation.
0: Fantastic. Okay. I'd love to see them stay up. I, I felt so sorry for them when they, they came up and were so so off the pace and so terrible. But they've been a little bit more competitive here So hopefully um they can you know they can they can avoid such a such a nightmare that they had, had before. So our very final very final uh, segment on the show this week I know is one of nation's favorites uh is uh, is our legal. Snapshot. So um, the chaps have picked a sort of a, a sort of a little more niche point from French football, Ligue that they're sort of just going to do a couple of a couple of words on that, that interest them. Um, so I'd love to start with uh,
3: with you, uh, with you, Rich. What's your league 1 snapshot for, for this week? Uh, mine's very very brief, but it's a little shout out to um, a, a a young central defender by the name of Vitorino Hilton, um, <laughs> who um, who has been exceptional. For Montpellier uh, recently, it, it, well, been part of a Montpellier side who themselves have been very, very good. Um, he's 40 years old. That's us just that, that's that's the main thing, really. He's 40 years old. Um, yet, arguably, in those sort of dozen games that he's played in, um, he has been one of, if not the standout central central defender in Liga. Mm. In those kind of performances. Um, at that age. Um, sadly I'm quickly approaching that age myself. <laughs> <so> I, <laughs> I can't say too much, but it's it's just crazy to see. You know, that that, that run, you know, you, you pick out some games, you know, they they um, uh, they held PSG to an a 0-0 n- nil- draw, they held Monaco to a draw, uh, they've beaten I know, beaten Saint Etienne, they've beaten Nice it's just a fantastic run, and it's no coincidence that that um, solidity. I think they've only conceded two goals in that run of six games as well. It's no coincidence that, that Hilton's return to the squad has coincided with that that kind of form. Sure, it's a, it is it is fantastic to see that he sort of got into his late thirties and maintained
0: that level that he he had sort of when he joined Montpellier and they won the league and he was he was great. He's still an effective defender at forty years old. Um, Peter, your your league and snapshot for the week.
2: Uh, mine is from the Football Observatory, they've released their uh, player development statistics uh, and it shows a number of league uh, clubs uh, at the right end. Um, so their, their development statistics are based on UEFA's guideline of what counts as homegrown. So for, they have to be at the club for 3 years between 15 and 21. Um, so when looking at what players each club has developed that have made it into the top 5 leagues, Lyon are third behind um, Real Madrid and Barcelona, having produced 34 players and 11 of which are still at the club. Um, Liga is in the top 5, we are delighted to say. Um, Rennes is 8th, uh, Ren uh, they've produced 22 players in the top 5 leagues in Europe. Um, Nantes are also 11th, which is a, a relative surprise. Um, Monaco are joint 11th as well, PSG are 12th. Toulouse are sixteenth, and Bordeaux are sixteenth as well. So strong French representation at the top end of uh, player development.
0: Interesting stuff, uh, Julian. Is there anything that's caught your eye over over the sort of last few weeks of of league and that you'd like to highlight?
1: Um, for this weekend, I will I will talk about Keita Balde because I think this the mm. first goal is scored for Monaco on, on Saturday against Caen could be huge. I think the potential. Uh, was always there, he, you know, he is a fantastic talent, uh, still very young, and still super so powerful, I, I had a, a very um, a famous uh, pundit on French television, football pundit, who uh, used to be very, very big, and now he's a bit less big, uh, saying that Keita Balde was just running straight forward, and I thought that was really, really harsh, and completely, um, uh, what's the word, uh, showed a lack of knowledge about Keita Balde, who's a, uh, I think, great player with his first touch, and we saw that against Lyon, for example, where he, you know, he gave the through ball to, uh, to Ronnie Lopez on the first Monaco goal over there, uh, who can run really fast, straight forward, I give him that, uh, but can also play wide, can also play as a second striker, can play with Falcao, can play on his own up front. I think he's a great talent, and I think it was very important for him to get a goal as, as quickly as possible, especially in the context of Monaco's, uh, last performances, uh, and I think that's going to do him a lot of good and Monaco a lot of good, and, and I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to seeing more of him in that team.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting signing. Hopefully, he can uh, he can fill some of the gaps left by some of the sales over the summer because they, you know, they they need that sort of player in their team. So thank you very much, Chaps. We'll 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 finish off there. Just a quick message, given that this is our hundredth episode from from Nathan, who's obviously hosted uh, the majority of those. uh those episodes I couldn't be with us tonight but he, he did leave me a quick message just to say thank you to absolutely everybody who's tuned in and contributed to this wonderful podcast over a hundred fantastic episodes uh, i still remember being asked to do it a few years ago and it has filled me with great pride to bring you each each and every week of the league and season and international tournament the, the latest news and the latest action on on, on league and so some special thanks to eric Devin and philip bargill who were instrumental in, in the early podcasts and, and regulars and uh thank you very much to rich allen and peter russell as well who've been fantastic in the last year so uh, here's to 100 more, he says. So thank you very much, Nathan. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed listening as well. So, chaps, um, enjoy your weekends. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Peter. Thank you. Enjoy your, I should say enjoy your week. It's Monday. Yeah, it's just, yeah. pop,
2: I'm looking forward to the yeah, weekend. part my job.
0: It's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Covering all this football, it feels like it's the end of the week now. Uh, so thank you very much, Rich, as well. Thank, thank you very much. Rich. And thank you very much, Julian.
1: Pleasure, boys. Anytime, anytime. That was great fun. Uh, it's, it's goodbye from all four of us. Have a good week and enjoy the football.